easy. That's right, it's a what the, what, what, what? Oh, it's the Cinco de Mayo days is what it is. It's Z on his own. Rocking and rolling, keeping, keeping it real. Just like you always wanted. That's right, I'm the man you may know as Z and this is Our Reviews Will Kill You. The Party Time Podcast. I'm rocking it as a onesome. All alone, noob noob free. Time to party, Cinco de Mayo style. That's right. Mmm. Yeah, so good. So nice. I named him twice. It's Noob Noob is Gone Day. Cinco de Mayo Day. That's right, he is stuffing his face with tacos and beer, probably. Or. He has the donkey flu, and can <laughs> he was down south, below the border, and he had too much contact with donkeys and is currently being hospitalized for it. His throat, colon, all stretched out beyond belief, so he no longer can represent the show for the time being. So you're gonna get a Zioli show, that's right! But we still have an amazing show for you guys. Let me see if I can figure out exactly what is on today's episode. Ooh. Looks like Blade gets more worse, better news. The Blade reboot, that is. Nine bajillion people have seen Super Mario Brothers, and a whole bunch of them got to see it for free. Japanese stores are banning adults, but not for the reason that you think they are. The diplomat got... A gimme, or a mulligan. The Met Gala was invaded by cockroaches, and not just the ones you're thinking of. James Bond author uh, is taking some pot shots at people. Kutako, those amazing game journalists, got uh, on a list, and is definitely not a white list. Uh, in outrageous news, we're going to meet Blucifer. If you've ever heard of Blucifer, I'm going to shock and awe you with that one. We're going to go in and out on Dune Part 2. And then in the reviews, we have The Diplomat and Peter Pan and Wendy. So that's all the stuff we have going on there. I'm excited to talk about it. Don't know if you are, but let's get going. And I'm going to try to do my best to keep an eye on the chat as best I can. Supposedly, we'll have a special guest in the chat besides Ron Coldestow, Coke Killer, and our one of our great admins besides Ron. Daniel is out there. Let's see. What are we doing? We're doing... Ha, 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 hoo, hoo, Yes. What kind of hotel is this? We've had we, I... We? Somebody. It's getting a little hot in here because we're talking about Steven Crowder. I know we've been talking a lot about Steven Crowder, but we're going to do <laughs> I talked even more about Steven Crowder. Steven Crowder seems to be spiraling out of control. There's even some more news today that I didn't even get into yet. Steven Crowder, the popular conservative host who's left YouTube, has moved on to Rumble is trying to restart things when several bombshells have been dropping about him. Former employees accusing him of being a bad employer. And on top of that, a video has surfaced of him being what can be perceived as alleged verbal abuse of his wife. Very controversial. And we go over that footage, at least a little bit of it. He claims it was taken out of context. I'm going to claim... That it was full of context and pretty bizarre behavior. I'm definitely going to say that. And then the newest wrinkle in this, we'll go on, is that he's le he's letting it hang out all over the place. He has former employees accusing him of exposing himself, which he freely admitted on his own show. Because during many of his skits, Apparently, his package can't be held back, and he has to go deliver the goods to everybody. He was accused of trying to teabag someone. So, yeah, that guy, he's got something going on. Very strange behavior. The other thing that I also found that was kind of funny is that he 
is um, as of right now, he's hired some new co-hosts, some new comedians. And uh, as Dave Landau pointed out, uh, he had a shut up button when he wants to talk. And apparently he's been using it on the new guys. Um, so hopefully I'll put something, maybe I'll put together a video on that because it's pretty hilarious watching him because the man likes to hear himself talk just like I do. I actually installed a shut up button for Noob Noob, which resulted in him and not being here because he, he met a donkey and, and fell in love, got married, probably had kids. So yeah, Brian, I think it's Brian Phelan, Brian Phelan, some, somebody who's friends with Joe Rogan is one of the co-hosts now. And uh, you can see it on air when, <laughs> when Steven Crowder, he's trying to do an impression and he turns on the, uh, he quickly hits the button for the shut up Brian C Callen, Brian Callen button. So it's kind of funny to see. We also have, uh, what else did we go through? Peter Pan. Now I know I'm going to review, review it here. And, uh, but I had to do a, a little bit of a rant on it and it definitely got some people's attention. So I appreciate you guys for watching that one. Peter Pan got done wrong. So if you want to hear my in-depth review, because I'll do another review here. We can get into it. I didn't talk about the Rotten Tomatoes or the critic scores or anything like that. I also did a short about it where I talk about him riding. Uh, he sure isn't going to ride Wendy bareback, but he will ride a horse bareback. So him and Noob Noob have much in common these days. Then I also released a video today where as by popular demand... I freely admit my Dune nerddom, and I do a breakdown of the trailer of the new Dune Part 2, which I will go in and out on this. So we're bringing it to you. Lots of videos to take a, take a look at if you get a chance. If you're an audio listener, be sure to check out these videos and share them with your friends. Hide your kids, hide your wife, share them all. We like it. It's good stuff. So... Uh, I don't have a giveaway for you. That's not my department. I have a different department. That's called running the show. So our giveaway department is uh, currently closed for, <laughs> for this week. Unless Noob Noob's in the chat, which I see he is. He's giving you a uh, rundown of his medical history. And uh, it's not looking good. But he may give something away in there. Hopefully he doesn't give away his donkey flu. That would be very... I mean, he might give it to you. Depends if you invite him over. He also missed an opportunity to uh, get in on a three-way this this uh, this week because he was too busy donking it up. Maybe he'll learn his lesson. He had a chance at a pocket lesbian and her sister, and he blew it. Very sad story. Very sad. We also did a lot of shorts. And uh, I got to test out some new voices, some new characters that I'm working on. So uh, be sure to check those out. Demon Slayer seems to be a, is a real fun one. I like that one. And uh, did some Star Wars stuff. I actually have a video I'm thinking about doing on Star Wars as well. I probably won't do my funny voice in that one, but I might yell at Baby Yoda some more. Uh, I don't think anyone asked, <laughs> asked for your opinion, Noob Noob. No one asked for that. No one at all. Oh my gosh. You're going to get reported and blocked. My word. Something about the DR is what. He, he's on the DL and doesn't want to tell us about it. You could ask him yourself if you join the live chat. And find out all about it. But in the meantime. Let me fix some things here. Make sure we're going to the right place. I have an incoming rant. Because I'm going to the news. breaking news so this is kind of interesting blade taps a new writer to pen the script i was pretty sure this was already written this movie is going to be bad and it's not going to work out the way that everybody was hoping and uh you get an oscar winning actor and I guess he's, he decided to throw his weight around and bring in one of his friends. Because if you recall, Mahashala Ali, who's going to play Blade, was actually on True Detective. 
And the showrunner and writer for for True Detective is Nick Pizzolatto. And no one's probably heard me rant. Maybe you have. I don't know if anybody's heard me rant about this before. But if you know anything, first of all, I love the first season of True Detective. I absolutely adored it. I thought it was one of the best shows I'd ever seen. It was stupendously, like, stunned. It's amazing. It's got Woody Harrelson. It's, uh, and it also stars Matthew McConaughey. And it has the greatest nude scene of all time with uh, Daddario, uh, whatever her name is. Well, it turns out that Nick Pizzolatto is a plagiarist. He's not a pagan, and he's not a polygamist. He likes to steal things. So people started going around and, and checking out his script and started to analyze things. And he was stealing things from Alan Moore, the great author of The Watchmen. He was stealing things from uh, other books. He was stealing dialogue directly from their books and putting it in his show. It was pretty shocking to see. And it seemed like it really hurt his career for a couple years. But Hollywood likes to forgive people who are scumbags. Because, uh, you know, if Harvey Weinstein's assistant can get a job show running for star wars why can't a plagiarist come back you know because from what i recall season two and season three nobody cared about those of true detective i don't think they did that well it's only season one that anybody cares about but now he's been tapped to join the blade project which is a little interesting they also hired an actress that i i I think is kind of weird maybe they'll say this in in the uh article here but they lost their director. Bassam Tariq has left. Uh, and they've, I feel like it was already, yeah, it was already written. The script was currently written by Michael Starbury. So here they brought in Pizzolatto, which is very strange. Very strange. I don't trust the guy. I, you know, once you're a plagiarist, you're always a plagiarist. You're, you're not going to be able to. You know, like you just don't have the creativity that you need to be able to do original work. Uh, so it looks like they have a French filmmaker, Jan Damange, to make that he's the new director. And they recently added Mia Goth. For those of you who don't know, she starred in, in such films as I'm gonna I'm gonna remember. I think one of them is called X. The other one's called Infinity Pool. She's like a, a scream queen right now. She, yeah, she did Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool, which is very disturbing, but I, I haven't seen it, but I've seen clips of it and it looks real weird. And I might watch it one day when it's free. So Pizzolatto, the scumbag, is going to be writing this. I'm not super excited about it, uh, but you know what? If Mahashala Ali wants to use him, According to what the rumors are, it's going to be Blade's going to immediately turn over the mantle of Blade to uh, his daughter and there'll be a female Blade and it won't matter because they're not going to be able to do a Blade trilogy because he's not going to be around. It's just going to be junk. Uh, Yeah, see, Daniel is smart. Daniel did not watch season two or three of True Detective. Good, good. My man, Blade is doomed. And uh, Wesley's taxes... Wesley, are you who is Wesley? Wesley Crusher? I don't know who you're talking about. I'm more I'm more entertaining when you're gone. Because all you do is say racist things, which I'm gonna I'm gonna have to bait you into. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk about Mario Brothers. You know, Noob still needs to apologize to Mario because he said the movie wouldn't make a billion dollars. Oh, Noob Noob's going to pay Wesley Snipes his taxes. There we go. Yes, let's bring back Wesley Snipes. I would agree with that. So in the Super Mario Brother movie, apparently 9 million people watched the full Super Mario Brothers illegally posted on Twitter. First of all, I didn't know you could post content that big on Twitter. And that's a lot of people to watch that movie. I'm surprised they didn't take it down. I would think somebody would have filed a DCMA to stop them from posting that. That seems like pirating to me. Um, 
<laughs> if you were wondering, this article clearly <laughs> clearly hates Twitter. So Paul Tassi from Forbes hates Elon Musk and Twitter. If you were wondering what getting rid of a vast majority of Twitter staff, including moderators, might do to the site, here's one bit of anarchy for you. Uh, there's an account called Vids That Go Hard with 1.1 million followers posted the entirety of Super Mario Brothers movie. You know the one that, that made a billion dollars? So uh, apparently Twitter woke up and deleted the video, and, but the account wasn't punished. We'll see about that. I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> this guy says, F it, the whole Super Mario Brothers. That's what the post was. Oh my gosh. Hey, that's probably good for business. More people will want to go see it in the theaters if they see it on a crappy Twitter feed. That's the way I look at it. If you ever, people probably don't know this. Back in the Pirate Bay days and the uh, whatever the name of that pirate illegal downloading site was, they would figure out what the things that would do the best on DVD were based on how much it was pirated. So like when they knew that they had a hit with Game of Thrones when they saw how much it was being pirated on on Pirate Bay. So little tip there. Uh, <laughs> Daniel's saying that Twitter is a free-for-all since Musk took over. I uh, probably asked the entire department responsible for checking copyright infringement. I'm sure he did. <laughs> He's like, eh, copyright infringement, what are you going to do? Sue me, <laughs> right? He's like, I don't care. It's worth half of what I paid for it. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, but in the meantime, Noob Noob still owes Mario a direct apology because he said it wouldn't make a billion dollars, not even close. So Noob Noob is a fool. You know what? Is he, what else he's a fool for? He's a fool for Pokemon, but he's been banned. He cannot go into this Pokemon shop mostly because he's exposing himself to people. But the other reason is because. This Pokemon shop banned adults from buying cards in Japan. Now, if Noob Noob shaves his beard, you might see, you know, a prepubescent boy in the way that he looks. I mean, he's starting to look a little long in the tooth, but, you know, and his health is failing him at the ripe age of 56. But he could still maybe be able to pass as a child if he shaved the beard. But this store in Japan is going to be on the lookout for adults. Uh, it's apparently to stop resellers because these Pokemon cards are just out of control. Uh, the store is called Hariyora 2. It aims at stopping adults from buying Pokemon cards. From what I understand, it's like one of the biggest Pokemon card stores in the country. It's st trying to stop adults from buying them in bulk and reselling them later. Uh, as adults have more freedom to camp outside the stores late at night or early in the morning. And they're more likely to buy all the stock before kids can get a chance to buy the product. So if you are paying attention, what you need to do is pay a bunch of children. And this is, I'm sure, Noob Noob would do this. He would go bake some fresh cookies, go find as many children as he possibly can approach, and you know, give them money so that they can buy him cards. That sounds like something he would do. Apparently, there's something to do with uh, Pokemon Red and Green game. Uh, and there's certain cards that are super, super rare. I, I don't know. Maybe these cards are worth a lot of money. I don't know. I don't know anything about Pokemon cards. All I know is if they were for sale in San Francisco or in Portland or any of those other places, they'd probably be stolen by now. Oh, it's Mo Kamochi. Hello, Mo Kamochi. Good to see you. All right, let's talk very briefly about The Diplomat because I'm going to review it later. And I liked it enough to do uh, all, the, all the shorts on it. I'm required to do all the shorts. I have a slave driver who's making me do them all. Uh, but The Diplomat quickly got renewed. That was the big uh, show starring Kerry Russell. And uh, I'll go into further detail, but it's it's pretty interesting how Netflix picks their winners. They they clearly have a formula where they know that it's got to be, you know, 
Uh, people have to, wa- it's how much people watch it to the end. I think it's like if more than 40% of the audience watches the entire series in the first week or two weeks, then they renew it because they know people like it. It recently dethroned uh, the Night Agent, which I also reviewed, and it's gone to appear in the top 10 in 86 countries. It was number one in, in the English list. So, fans around the world are loving every minute of the diplomat's gripping and propulsive drama and embracing Carrie Russell's powerful performance as Kate Weiler. Okay. Oh, and it has a big cliffhanger. So, they clearly thought they were going to have a, a second season, so we'll see what happens. But uh, I like it. And I'll get into a review of it later. But for now, we're going to talk about cockroaches. And uh, Charizard is the most expensive card. (laughs) We have a did we ever? We never did the video about how Noob Noob got beaten up and someone stole his Charizard card. Maybe we'll have to have a reenactment, but we'll need to get some uh, sumo suits to help. Now, I know what most of you are thinking is when I said that cockroaches invaded the Met Gala, you were thinking about the celebrities. And I came this close to doing a fashion (laughs) breakdown of all the Met Gala, um, all the different various outfits. Like uh, Jared Leto dressed as as a, a cat. He literally dressed as a Carl Lagerfeld's cat. It's very bizarre. But uh, apparently the big star of the Met Gala was a cockroach. <laughs> oh, and Doja Cat dressed as a cat as well. And only meowed at people. Uh, I don't, don't even know who Doja Cat is. But I know that she meowed at people. I'm going to play this video for our audio listeners. I will describe it as there's uh, a photographer who spots a cockroach on the on, I guess, the red carpet. And he tries to stomp it. And it clearly attacks him. And almost goes up his pants, and then he can't get away from it. Uh, what also is funny is uh, <laughs> Roach Rocherson has arrived by by uh, at hashtag the Met Gala. Very, very. It's, it's just New York City for you, baby. You want to go to New York City? You're gonna get a bunch of roaches. You're gonna enjoy them. Very tasty. Pete was Pete. I don't think Pete Davidson was there, as far as uh, cockroaches go. Yeah, so there was a lot of fashion. Um, who's the guy who does industry, baby? He dressed as something pretty bizarre. <laughs> what fashion this Met Gala cockroach has was very fashionable. Oh, it got stepped on. It's probably not dead, though. I would assume it's still alive. So, yeah, maybe next year's uh, theme will be cockroaches. I do know somebody was whining about not going to the Met Gala, and it wasn't AOC. It was, uh, who's the girl who starred in, uh, starred in She-Hulk, who played Titania? She was saying stuff like Carl Lagerfeld, I think that's the guy's name, is like a racist or something. Because everybody's, you know, racist and bigots. But... I think she was just mad because she wasn't invited. <laughs> I think that's really what happened there. I don't think anybody really cared. Oh, Little Nas X. Yes. Little Nas X was in like a thong and painted silver. I'm pretty sure that's what he did. So, you know, that's his taste, though. Uh, you know who else has some interesting taste? And now, when I say the writer of James Bond, I'm not talking about Ian Fleming because I'm fairly sure he's dead. I could be wrong, but I think he's dead. There's a new James Bond author, Charles Higson, or Charlie Higson. And uh, <laughs> I thought this was, an, it was a pretty funny take on James Bond. So this man writes James Bond novels, and he said... Uh, the 007 and No Time to Die felt like a movie made by people who are embarrassed to make a James Bond film. It's hilarious because they made a Me Too movie for No Time to Die was supposed to be a Me Too movie. And Carrie Fukunaga, the director, who's also associated with uh, True Detective, just like Nick Pizzolatto, got Me Tooed. <laughs> while making the movie. So you ain't going to see anything. The guy's a beautiful cinematographer and great director, but it's hilarious that they made a Me Too movie with a director who got Me Too'd. 
<laughs> and then it <laughs> this guy comes out and says he seems like these people were embarrassed to make a John, James Bond film. Now the only person who shouldn't be embarrassed is Anna de Armas because she, you know, she wears that crazy dress. She's kind of a ditz in the movie, but her scenes are the only good scenes. Yes, Anna de Armas is the only good part. I mean, you can like No, no Time to... I mean, it's one thing... Like, if you like James Bond movies, which I, I don't particularly like them, it seemed like any other James Bond movie when they were like, oh, he's being replaced by a girl and she's gonna blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I get it. Like, I didn't really care. Like, they had one line where she's like, you're an old man, I'm gonna shoot you in the leg or some nonsense. Eh. She was so not in it, I wasn't really that in. Like, it didn't matter to me that much. It just, it's just like, okay. You know? It wasn't it wasn't anything to write home about. But I thought it was funny because this guy, Higson, goes, I think... That was wrong. I went to see No Time to Die with my oldest boy, Frank, who was 30, and he said, that felt like a Bond movie made by people who are embarrassed to make a Bond film. And I, almost, I like, 100% agree with him on that. You had to watch two films in advance to know who such and such is, and you think, oh, F off with that. Make it a new mission with each episode. Let him be Bond. They overcomplicate him. The best Bond films now are Mission Impossible. There's no inner life. It's just like, whoa, look at that building. I love to climb it and blow things up. And I agree with that. I feel like the overarching plot of James Bond that they've been trying to install was interesting. Like, I like the concept from Casino Royale. But when they made Quantum of Solace, they kind of they, they made a misstep. And then they did uh, Skyfall. And Skyfall was pretty good. But, like, the continuation of the plot seemed like it was getting a little clunky and McClunky. And then after that, it seemed whatever the fourth one is, uh, Spectre. First of all, just to say about Spectre, you had the greatest James Bond song of all time written by Radiohead and you decide to pick Sam Smith instead. Are you freaking nuts? You got that. That's their first mistake. And then second mistake was Spectre sucked. And the problem with Spectre is you also had uh, Dave Bautista in it, and he has no lines. He doesn't even talk. The guy is actually a decent actor, and you don't let him act. So Spectre sucked. And then you have No Time to Die, which I think No Time to Die was better than Spectre. But the overarching plot, like, at that point, was just a waste of time. It was just noise. You, you needed to stop doing that. Uh, yeah, Mission Impossible does not have an overarching plot, dummy. You don't know what you're talking about, noob noob. I would say that <laughs> clearly the title, <laughs> the title of No Time to Die is a lie. That is true. Uh, Mission Impossible, uh, all I know is I didn't like the first one. And then I, I was sick for like a week and I watched Mission Impossible because there was nothing else to watch like six times, and I eventually really, really liked it. But then I don't like any of the other Mission Impossible movies. That I mean, they're okay, but like the J.J. Abrams one's no good. I don't remember it. I remember uh, James Wu directed one, and that was like a misdirected Wu. It was not good. I never saw Fallout. I still want to see Fallout at some point. The one with uh, Henry Cavill... Locking and loading his guns. But I'm just, I don't know. I'm not a big Mission Impossible guy. You know, I like the first movie and that's about it. And then the rest of them, I was just like, eh, didn't really get to them. I'm not super into spy thrillers. I, I don't really like James Bond. It's just like kind of mediocre. Like everybody says GoldenEye is great. GoldenEye is a campy, terrible movie. The game is substantially better. And, uh, you know, I, most of them are, are like ridiculous and campy and over the top. You know, I yeah. Hey, look, if you like James Bond in those movies, I get it. I'm totally you, more power to you. I'm on board. I understand why you like them. It's the same like uh, I I don't like gangster movies. There's just certain genres that I'm not a fan of. So I get it. I get it. But that won't put you on the blacklist. But you know what will? Being Kotaku. So for those of you who know, Kotaku is a 
uh, like a games journalism website that has the worst takes on earth. You know how like Vice went out of business and BuzzFeed went out of business? Kotaku is like five days away from going out of business. But apparently Kotaku pissed enough people off that Nintendo blacklisted them from getting Tears of uh, the new Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom. And uh, yeah, they will not let them review it early. I think that's pretty amazing. This article is from Clownfish TV. Clownfish TV, I watch their videos every once in a while. Neon and Geeky Sparkles, I like those guys. They have some good info every once in a while. Like to see those guys. Uh, you should like and subscribe to their channel if you like entertainment news, especially around Disney stuff. They cover different things than we do, and uh, they seem like hardworking folks just trying to put in the work. Uh, so I, I, I deliberately picked this from Clownfish TV. <laughs> it's just funny. So the article goes on to say, remind us why Kotaku still exists. The activist-run gaming site has successfully gotten itself blacklisted by Nintendo and reportedly Ubisoft, Bethesda, and parts of Square Enix. If a, game, if a new gaming site can't even cover one of the biggest game releases of the year, like Tears of the Kingdom, then they failed at the one job they had. Uh, so yeah, they talk about them like Vice News. I just think it's hilarious. They're not even allowed to review the game like they can't get an early version they can review it later but by that time everybody else will have reviewed it i will not be reviewing it how many zelda games did i play i played the original zelda i played uh ocarina of time i definitely beat that i beat ganondorf in that and then i played wind waker where you ride a boat and then I tried one on the Switch, which was not good enough, where you ride a bird. Something about choppy chopping. I don't know what it's called. I'm not like the biggest Zelda fan in the world. Again, to each their own. I get why people love Zelda. I know people who are obsessed with Zelda and love it. I would watch a Zelda movie if Nintendo does it. I'm just saying, I never played Breath of the Wild. I'm just not that big in, like, Nintendo. I was too poor to afford Nintendo, I had to play a Genesis when I was a child. And that has hurt me my whole life. I couldn't afford Super Mario 3. So I had to play with rocks out in the backyard. I couldn't afford it. So when my friends were showing me this amazing Super Mario and Super Mario 3, because I didn't even know what Super Mario, but I remember Super Mario 3, where he could turn into a fox or a tanuki, or whatever he was turning into, and I was like, wow! And they were the rich people. Yeah, I couldn't do that. So. <laughs> you New Noob likes the idea of Zepla. He likes Zepla. That, that's the, uh, the uh, Ukrainian, Polish, Russian version of Zelda. It's like the Russian Avengers. Called the Guardians. It's like that. But... We have come to the end of the news because it's time to get outrageous. It's time. It's an outrage. I'm outraged. I'm angry. What am I angry at? I'm angry at Blucifer. Denver's spooky and deadly horse. Now, for those of you who have never been to the Denver International Airport, I would offer that if you would like to be terrified, and once I tell you the rest of the story, you will be terrified. There is a blue Mustang at the, the Denver airport at the median of Pena Boulevard. So let me describe this to you. The Denver airport is on like a massive flat plane, right? So... If you know anything about the United States, because I've driven across it several times, the United States is a beautiful country. Fascinating. You should drive it if you can. Drive across the country, people. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to appreciate uh, the Star Spangled Banner. You're going to appreciate the song that talks about the Purple Mountain's majesty, whatever that one is, because if you get the chance, even, even our friends who listen in China... 
If you listen in India, if you listen in Ireland, give the U.S. chance and drive across it. Bring a gun. If you're going to sleep in Walmart parking lots like I did, bring a gun. I I didn't have a gun, but I wish I did. Because you got to pack heat in the U.S. I'm just telling you. You know, rent a gun. I don't know if you could rent a gun. Maybe I should start a new business. Rent a gun, travel across the U.S. Anyway. What's fascinating about the U.S. is you you get the West Coast, and then you you, you get like this like kind of flat land. Uh, it's weird. Like L.A. is very like arid and dry, and you get this like. So we're gonna go from L.A. to to like the the Jersey Shore. I'm gonna take you on a trip. So you you get the West Coast, and <laughs> we'll start at like uh, you know. The boardwalk, the beach, the Venice Beach, it, you know, where there's a bay that you can't even swim in because it's polluted. But you go in, and it's like kind of like deserty land, and and it's a lot of desert, um, not a lot of grass. You, you go further across, and then you get into the high desert, and you keep going across California until you go up through the mountains. You dr- you drive up the Rockies, and now the Rockies are very impressive, very steep. My car had a lot of trouble getting up there. I had packed. A whole bunch of equipment in my uh, in my vehicle, and it was struggling. It was the struggle bus. It was like whoa, 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 trying to get up these mountains, you know, it's like all the way up. And then you get up to where like all these like fancy people go, like Vail, Colorado, and um, where's that place that has the uh, the the film festival? Con the con? No, that's in France. There's some stupid Boulder. I don't know about Boulder. I don't know. There's some fancy film festival somewhere. So you see all these places. So you, so you drive over them. Like you're in the mountains and then they're in like a valley, right? And you see where all these rich people hang out. And you're like, wow, that looks real fancy. Rich people, right? And then you go down the Rockies. And from from the foothills of the Rockies, you start to go into Denver. And then the country turns flat. So imagine the Denver airport is on like this real flat plane. And then you continue across the country and it's, it's like nothing. <laughs> it's like flat land. Literally, you see nothing for like 12 hours of nothing until you finally hit like uh, Ohio and Virginia. And then you start to get these like rolling hills and the Appalachians and everything turns green and vibrant and beautiful. You go through Pennsylvania till you get to the Jersey Shore and then a bunch of bros bro you down on the boardwalk, make you drink things, you black out, you end up on the beach, conch shell up your booty. I mean, that never happened to me. I'm just describing what happened to Noob Noob, right? So anyway... We've arrived at the Jersey Shore, but let's go back to the Denver plane. So the Denver airport's on this like super, super flat land. And as you drive up to the airport, you see this blue monster horse. It is a super tall horse. And you're just like, what is going on here? And I know it's the Denver Broncos. I get it. Like the football team. I don't remember their horse being blue, but everybody apparently calls it Blucifer now. It's 32 feet tall and weighs 9,000 pounds. So you're just like, what is this demon horse staring at me for? I don't understand. It's actually called Blue Mustang, and it's only a fiberglass sculpture. You'd think that Denver, Colorado would spring for a real copper statue, but they're like, nah, we're just going to make it out of plexiglass or fiberglass right so what's really fascinating about this this creepy uh horse not to mention it's standing like on its hind legs with its like feet out its eyes are glowing red it looks like it wants to stamp you to death so that's how welcoming the denver inter international airport is right uh the original the sculpture is based on an eight foot tall sculpture called Mestino, which is Spanish for Mustang. It's located at the University of Oklahoma. Well, it's been it, it, it's it's crazy too because everywhere in Denver there's there's tornado shelters, right? The whole airport is a tornado shelter. And he has to endure extreme weather of hail, rain, high winds. Make them out of bronze. What are you people doing? Why are you doing this? Anyway, it's been insured for $2 million, right? Well, you know, the original, the creator of it, Luis Jimenez, he got killed by the statue. It was supposed to be installed 
in 2000, it was, it was commissioned in 93, wasn't installed until, until 2008, about 15 years later after it was commissioned, because it killed the creator. Luis Jimenez, at 65, he was the sculptor, was hired to do the job. He was killed in 2006 when the horse, when the head of the horse fell on him, severing an artery in his leg. If you would have made it out of, out of bronze, it would have just crushed you to death. But instead, it just severed an artery in your leg. Congratulations, sir. You should have done that. <laughs> um, so there's been there were a bunch of legal battles. They kept missing deadlines. All that good stuff. <laughs> Nothing ever came out of the lawsuit. And eventually, the city of Denver eventually paid $650,000 for the sculpture. You should have shelled out a million and got it in bronze, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Apparently, Blucifer was finished by the artist's staff and family and other professional painters. <laughs> so upon completion of the statue, it was sent to California to be assembled and then shipped back to Denver. Right. Very strange. There have been many campaigns to remove the sculpture, and it was even vandalized in 2019. The reason why it's called Blucifer is because it looks like it's de a demon and it killed its, 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 its own sculpture. <laughs> like, why? Why would you do this? <laughs> In the early sketches, the Mustang was colored yellow and even pink, but now it's blue and it's angry. Apparently, I can't read any more of this article. No, I can't. And then they, they light it up at night, and it looks even more evil. What is wrong with Denver? Denver is a weird place, man. I've been to Denver. Uh, there's a lot of weirdness going on. They like a lot to do, uh, you know, they like to do a lot of homeschooling. They like a lot of marijuana. It's a little, little strange. Definitely some weird people that I've met in Colorado. Very beautiful, though. I remember there was a story from a couple weeks ago where a guy was sitting in a hot tub in Colorado and a mountain lion bit him in the head, tried to pull him out of the hot tub, trying to get it on with him. Uh, <laughs> why didn't they give it a D? <laughs> you know who needed the D? Noob Noob needs the D. Well, although he got a little too much D in the D, the DR, because he he's now... Insult investor doesn't even realize that Noob Noob has uh, his throat's a little swollen as well as other parts of his body. <laughs> the Broncos have some real horsepower. Yeah. <laughs> so that was an outrage. I, I think I have five. Do I have five facts about that you didn't know about Lucifer? Let's see if any of these are interesting. Uh, in 2006, it killed the artist. Great wasn't finished uh it's nine thousand pounds it apparently weighs the same as a fully grown male hippopotamus fair enough it's 32 feet tall for comparison most school buses are between 30 and 35 feet tall this may be the most recognizable piece of art but the airport has more than 30 exhibits at any given time because i care about art that is in the airport so stupid <laughs> anyway, whatever. I want to get out of Lucifer and I want to get in on Dune. So it's time to get in. Get get out of Dune 2. That's right, Dune 2 is here with Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. Two more statues <laughs> that are joining, that are going to finish out the Dune universe. Are we excited for Dune 2? I mean, I'm I'm going to watch Dune 2. I don't know how to feel about Dune 2. Because I like Dune 1, but I didn't love it. And I'm a giant fan of the books. Like, enormous. Greatest books of all time. Greatest science fiction books of all time. Maybe not the greatest books of all time. But, yeah, I love Dune. I love that sandy goodness. Love that sand between my toes. But... Dune 2 dropped. And yeah, I mean, I'm interested. I'm going to watch it for sure. I'm hopefully going to see it in the theater. It's a way different interpretation. And they definitely took some 
liberties with it. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how much, how different it is. I will. Uh, I'll check it out. I know that Villeneuve, the director, wants to do uh, additional movies. So. What we're all hoping for, and I know Noob Noob's hoping for this, he wants to see the God Emperor. He was already hoping for one God Emperor. He's hoping for one to be resurrected in 2000, whatever year there's an election. But he wants to see the big worm of a God Emperor. No spoilers here. But uh, let's see. Let's see what happens. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to watch it. And I'll give you a breakdown. And I'll tell you the differences between the book. But they're including characters from the book that have never been filmed before. So it's kind of interesting. So we'll see. We shall see. We shall see Rokosaki. But for now, we are headed on to the reviews. Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. I need a refill. And Noob Noob's not here to make me a refill. That's the saddest part. And you want to ask if we need to, if we're going to review Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, we are going to review Guardians of the Galaxy next week. Guardians of the Galaxy releases this week, this weekend. We'll see how it does. It's projected to bomb. I hope it does. I mean, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy. With any luck, maybe we'll get a out-of-theater review from somebody. I don't know. Probably not the one who's got a swollen uh, anus. Maybe me. But either way, we're going to review The Diplomat. It's uh, by creator Deborah Kahn. It stars Kerry Russell, Rufus Sewell, uh, David Giasani, Otto Essendo, some other people. Kerry Russell's an executive producer. Some other apparently all the same people keep putting themselves on here as uh, as whatever. I don't know. So uh, the the showrunner Deborah Khan worked on Homeland as an executive producer. She was a screenwriter on Paterno. Uh, I thought Paterno was kind of interesting. Uh, this show is good. It's not great. B minus, probably where I'm at. The critics have it at 89%. I have it at 82%. A, um, here's the series info. Amid an international crisis, a career diplomat juggles her high-profile job as ambassador to the United Kingdom and her turbulent marriage to a political star. So it's kind of weird because I really like Carrie Russell. She's a fantastic actress, but it's a little annoying because this is kind of out of like she's annoying because she doesn't like that her husband is a like famous diplomat. But she married him when he was a famous diplomat. But she doesn't like that he's a famous diplomat. He was like previously an ambassador to something that was important. And all it does is drive her crazy. And that doesn't make any sense because She's been married to him for like 10 years or more. And now all of a sudden, when she takes a job that she doesn't even want, he drives her crazy. Like, I don't really understand. It doesn't make a ton of sense. But the show overall is kind of funny. Uh, it's kind, it, you know, it's funny. It's amusing. It's got some cool political intrigue. Uh, I think it's worth a watch. I think it's only eight episodes, which is good because it doesn't really suffer from that Netflix bloat. The critic consensus is Carrie Russell's scrappy performance negotiates the best possible terms for the diplomat. A soapy take on statecraft that manages to make geopolitical crisis highly bingeable entertainment. I think all the actors are pretty good. It's kind of fascinating because the actors all play like versions of real life people sort of. Who's the guy who plays Biden? There's a guy who kind of plays Biden, which is kind of funny, and they don't even have him listed, and he's a famous actor. Um, and he's kind of like, he plays the president. He's kind of like dopey. He's like, dirty, 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 I'm the president. And then you have a, uh, a, ch a chick who plays like his, uh, uh, I don't know if she's her, his press secretary, but it reminds me of the girl who plays his current press secretary. So it's weird. Like, they kind of pulled this, like, out of real life. Uh, 
it's all right. It's not it, it, it's not the greatest thing in the world because she does get to be kind of irritating because you're just like, am I supposed to like these people or am I not supposed to like them? And I, I really don't like shows like that where I don't like any of the main characters. It's kind of irritating. You know, uh, I think there's there's like you need to like the main characters because if you don't like them, it's really a struggle to watch the show. You know, it's something that you're not going to enjoy. Uh, but anyway, you know, like I said, B minus. If you like a little bit of political intrigue, you're going to like this. If you like Carrie Russell, you're going to like it. But if you're not into any of that, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah duh, check, please. Check, please. But let's talk about the premiere review. The 8,000th version of Peter Pan. Except for this one's Peter Pan and Wendy. Oh, my God. When I first reviewed this. The the critic or the the fan score was 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 not was was better. So the critics have it at sixty four percent. It's still rotten. Uh, I can't believe the critics have it at sixty four percent. The audience with twenty five hundred reviews have it at fourteen percent. This was on Disney Plus. They did not release it in theaters because they knew that Peter Pan was going to be a bitch that nobody liked. Critic consensus has Peter and Wendy's obligatory fidelity to the animated classic keeps it from achieving Neverland Nirvana, but David Lowry's pensive direction gives this rendition some of its own magic. That is the biggest lie I've ever heard in my entire life. It is in no way attached to the animated classic. No part of this is connected to the animated classic. You remember there's mermaids in the original Peter Pan? Yeah, they're not in this. They're like background noise. Do you remember they were like lost boys? Yeah, they're not boys. They're lost people. Do you remember how uh, Tiger Lily had like a whole tribe and they had a song and her tribe had people in it that you could see in characters? Yeah, they got cut from it. They're not in it. They got completely cut from the entire thing. Uh, the audience says slower and a lot less visually appealing than the animated version. Peter Pan and Wendy lacks the magic of the classic source material. It's boring. It looks like mud. It's it's literally filmed like it looks like mud. And there's only like one or two things that even salvage this as likable. In fact, if you check out my review, which I, I did, that was like my literally I'm done watching this. I'm going to review it reaction. One of our subscribers put a, a really long, really good review on it. You could read it in the comments. I pinned it so that you could read it. And they really took this thing apart and gave it some uh, like a, like real good reactions. Let's read what the audience says. Uh, Freaking hate this movie. Peter Pan is a heartless little S-bomb. Not worth the time. This is from Robert. Not worth the time. This movie is a complete fail. The original was fun, hopeful, and exciting. This movie is not fun, not hopeful, and not even close to being exciting. Neverland will never be the same. Really bad, spelled wrong. Sad and dark. This os not Peter Pan. Thanks, Leo M. Completely missing any imagination. No redeemable qualities in any of the characters. I'm not sure the writers are familiar with the source material. The CGI is awful and clunky. The acting is atrocious at times and speaking of the time it was a complete waste of my time that's what i said it's not even that it's woke it's just crap basically wendy and and this was something that somebody else pointed out to me i did not realize that wendy is the daughter let's see if this is a lie or not i'm pretty sure she's the daughter of mila jovovich and her name's ever anderson let's google that we're going to take a Google break. We're going to find out. Ever Anderson parents. Famous parents. Yup. That's right. Mila Jovovich and Paul W.S. Anderson. Wasn't that the dude that was... Uh, doesn't he have a kid with uh, Paul W. Anderson? Is that the guy who did the... not Res Oh, he did all the Resident Evil, but did he do... What did he do? Let's look that guy up. Who's he got kids with? Mila jo Jovovich, who else? Anybody else? We're going to go deep in here. I got I got to know. 
He did Event Horizon. Okay. Predator, Alien versus Predator. Oh, that's not a good one. The Three Musketeers is good. Personal Life. Okay, well, whatever. They have kids. Good for them. Anyway, so Mila Jovovich's kid, Nepo Baby, she's in this. She's pretty good. The kid who plays Peter Pan, Alexander Maloney. Sorry, kid. You're freaking terrible. Absolutely disastrous. Oh, no way. Uh, Ever Gabo Anderson. Thank you, Daniel. Noob, <laughs> noob, so stupid. Ever Gabo Anderson. She's known for portraying a young N- Natasha Romanoff in the 2021 film Black Widow. Good job, Daniel. Jeez. Bringing it home. We also have a race-swapped Tinkerbell. Didn't care so much about that. The big thing about her is they literally just shot her doing, like, face reactions. What they should have done, like, Tinkerbell in the original cartoon uses, like, her whole body to do reactions. Like, she's a very shapely uh, woman there. And this girl, they didn't give her the opportunity to do anything. She just did, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. She didn't talk. Jude Law is terrible as Captain Hook. (coughs) But he has one good scene um, he's a great actor. I am not taking anything away from Jude Law, but he's not playing Captain Hook properly. There's one scene where he acts his, he's acting his his tail off, but the material is not right, and somebody should have told him, like, Captain Hook should be fun and campy and chew scenery, and he's like, nah, you need to play him, play him safe. Yes, Noob Noob, you forgot about Blinker Bell and evil white <laughs> doctor. Dr. Hook, Captain Hook. I like I like Jude Law, but I don't like him as Captain Hook. And I just don't think it's it's like it's just weird. It's not good. And and the only other thing I want to point out, if you watch my movie, I have a conspiracy theory about these Disney Plus shows. I think somebody inside Disney Plus that knows that they're making all of these terrible remakes knows that they're bad. And the reason why I think this is because in Pinocchio, there's a scene where in the remake of Pinocchio, he literally stares at a piece of poop on the street for a good like minute and a half or 40 seconds where stuff's going on around him, but he's staring at a piece of crap and he says some things. And it's like, when I first saw it, I was like, that's kind of weird. Why are they doing this? This is kind of bizarre. I don't understand it. Is this a metacom commentary on the fact that this movie is garbage or that it's trash or that it's crap? But when I saw in this movie, and I did it in my short intentionally, so if you watch my short 10-second review of Peter Pan and Wendy, I highlight the scene. There is a pirate who says something along the lines of, oh, these two are going to kill each other again. Wake me up when one of them are dead. He's so bored by what's going on in the movie that he's like, this wake me up when it's over because I am that bored. I was like, It was like this weird, because they hired an actor, deliver that line, and you could take the line in the context of like, oh, it's a joke. But when you put it in the greater context of these, because I never saw the Lion King remake, because I was just like, this is such garbage, I won't watch it. And I don't know that we were reviewing movies at that point. Like the show didn't exist, maybe. And I was, but this, it took me out of the movie, because I was like, oh my gosh, they're telling me that this movie is crap, that it's it's garbage, that it's boring, that I shouldn't be watching this, so I, I wonder if there are some spies inside of Disney that are telling us that these live action remakes are terrible, tell me if you've seen it in any of the other ones, because I didn't watch them, because I didn't watch Beauty and the Beast, I didn't watch with the girl from Harry Potter, I didn't watch that, I didn't watch The Lion King, I guess I have to watch Ariel. If it's in the movies, I will not pay to see that piece of garbage. But I will 
eventually watch it. Or maybe there's a clip somewhere. I haven't heard anybody else talk about this. So scour the old movies, the live action remakes. Tell me if there's parts where they, they're telling you that they're garbage. Because I think they are. And I think somebody out there might be letting us know. I'm not sure. But my thing is, uh, this is terrible. It's not worth watching. You shouldn't waste your time. Uh, watch the original if you really like Peter Pan. I don't like Peter Pan. But I watch it because this is what I do for the show. And I try to go in with an, uh, with an open mind. It was just boring. It's not interesting. It's not colorful. It's dark. It's drab. It's boring. Don't waste your time. I watched it so you don't have to. Next week, we're going to do Guardians of the Galaxy. Hoping it's good. I've heard mixed things. We don't know. Apparently, people are big pansies and they're scared because there's too much cruelty in it. I don't know. Either way... Hopefully, Noob Noob stops going to visit donkeys, and he comes back, and we'll talk about it. Let us know. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We love you all, wherever you are watching. Doesn't matter what country it is. We love you if you're in China, if you're in Israel, if you're in Ireland. We see you. We see you downloading and listening. We appreciate it. We also uh, love it if you're on Rumble. You apparently watched on Rumble, too. We love you there. Thank you. Thank you for watching on YouTube. We love you, YouTube. We love you on iTunes. We love you everywhere. We are full of love, not just hate, not just angry. Shut up, Baby Yoda. Oh, I'm not going to beat Baby Yoda anytime soon. But anyway, from all of us here at Our Views Will Kill You, to all of y'all at home, we love all y'all. But I am on to the next one.